Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast, the series dedicated to answering the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. Today, I want to talk about brand investment. There's no two ways about it. Your brand is one of your company's most valuable assets, and it's how your organisation is perceived by the outside world. Now, everybody has one, uh, whether it's your personal brand or the one for your company or both. Um, um, so it's, a, it's an investment. Branding is an investment. And if it's done properly, it can create a customer connection that can last a lifetime. Brand in today's world means content, and that comes at a cost. And in a growing noisy space, how do you create that emotional connection on a budget? So today's guest with me has been doing just that, even beating Justin Bieber to a Christmas number one. So welcome today, founder of Bank of Creativity and One Minute Briefs, Nick Entwistle. Hi, Nick. Hi, you're right. Thank you so much for coming in to see us. And we will get to Justin in a minute. Okay. Um, but we'd like to start off the podcast with finding out a little bit about um, the person in the chair and your background and why you're here talking about this really important subject today. Um, so can you give us a bit of uh, your career and your background before you went out on your own? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I mean, to get to where I am today as the founder of the Bank of Creativity, that actually started uh, a number of years ago as a brand and I've built it ever since through a following by putting it out on Twitter. Now, probably if I, if I was to go back to the start of when talking about brands and building your own personal brand, which can then end up being a brand that you can use in your own right as a company or an agency or a collective. Um, I very first started when I was about 16, 17. Uh, I did graphic design at university. And rather than creating a portfolio website, I created a website and started to call myself a business and a brand. And I called it, my initials, it was NE Design. Uh, my slogan was any creative, any time, any place, that type of thing. <laughs> um, but I'd, uh, I'd created something that was a little bit different and I started to email local agencies. I used to live in Stockport uh, and I emailed local agencies and said, I'll give you a discount if you if you come with us for your design. I'd put some of my sort of graphic design hmm. college work on there and it looked it looked okay and, and I made the, made this website. Anyway, in the first week, a big engineering firm comes comes in and says, yes, we want a new website, logos, etc. So suddenly, <laughs> How are you fitting that in between your assignments? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. But um well, it was but what happened what happened was we I mean I was looking out I was I was living at my mum's mum's house, um looking out my window waiting for this guy, he turns up in this big shiny pickup uh, and he's got to come to the door. He must have thought, what is going on here? Because I had marketed myself as this brand, mm-hmm. and by marketing myself as a brand, I was a brand. Um, so he comes to the door and sees 16, 17-year-old me uh, shake his hand and say, yeah, come through to the office, which was uh, in my dining room, <laughs> and, uh, and asked my mum to wait in the kitchen. And he then met my web developer who was going to do the website, and my web developer was my 12-year-old little brother, so he must have been even more shocked at that point. Um, but just by getting him there and telling him, look, we can do this work, uh, we believe in ourselves, that's where it started off and made me realise that by saying you're a brand, you can be something. And as mm-hmm. long as you can do the work that backs it up, and it doesn't matter how old you are, um, you can do the job. So anyways, from then I then I carried on that brand, but then I went to... Uh, from college and then did graphic design at university 
continued continued with that and then uh, I started to work as a creative team in the industry at Driven in Wilmslow and I worked with my creative partner James Clancy and what we did in our first job well what we did at university was we started a thing called One Minute Briefs which I'm sure we'll talk about later um, what we did in our first job was actually give ourselves a one minute brief to create a brand for us to create a business card for ourselves that was one of us did an idea that was called the Bank of Creativity and it looked like a credit card. Um, so we looked up the domain, bought the domain straight away and suddenly that became our creative team brand, which probably happened in about 2011. Uh, and it's since gone on to be the collective that I've uh, created last year. So I then used that as our creative team brand, worked at Driven, worked in McCann, Manchester, uh, as well as working freelance and also with film agencies, uh, Magnify and Trunk, uh, ever since up until last year when creating, when actually launch, relaunching almost the Bank yeah. of Creativity as a collective slash agency. So you had any design as a side hustle cracking on, your little brother's bringing in the dough, <laughs> yeah. and then you've got it, you've one minute briefs, which is your next hi- side hustle, which you're doing with your creative partner. So let's talk about one minute briefs because they're, they're really interesting. What is it? Um, where did that idea kind of come, like it come from, like the idea for that come from, and then how does it work? Okay, well, uh, again, it goes back, goes back to university. Um, myself and uh, my creative partner, James, we... We had about seven weeks on a brief, and and as as we all know in the industry, that you tend to get one or two days, if if that, <laughs> on on certain briefs. So uh, sometimes, and we preferred working under pressure, and actually used to give ourselves a bit more work to to enter awards briefs and uh, live agency briefs, etc. Anyway, we just decided one day to, on Photoshop to do a one minute brief. We didn't really know what one was at the time, but we said let's just try and do an ad in one minute. Now. One of us did um, what you might... Con- I always think of ideas, all ideas that you share are good ideas, um, but there are some ideas potentially better than others. Um, yeah. So one of us did quite a, a good uh, a good one. One of us did uh, a not-so-good one, but it was quite funny. Um, so the first ad we ever did was for Rolex. Uh, we did a sort of spec ad for Rolex. and But what we saw was that we did a few more of these and and we and some of the ideas were better than you'd think that you'd be able to come up with in a minute. And because there were some some of them were really funny and badly and crudely put together, um, people started to come and look over our shoulders uh, and they started to want to get involved as well. So we didn't know at the time, but that obviously was the first start of sort of social media um, of the One Minute Brief Street. Um, it then went to... Uh, we took it to educational events and things just on a on a sketch pad, a big mm-hmm. a big flip chart marker, and it was essentially just people. You got one minute to create this advert, uh, and it just sort of it went from there really. And we and we carried on doing this as a as a tool to actually generate ideas, uh, especially at the start of a brief, um, because it allows you to create some really good ideas, and it also allows you to filter out the bad ones without because. What it does is take away your own fear of coming up with an idea. As we get older, um, if you think back to when you were kids, you'd just write down silly things. You'd write silly uh, birthday cards for your parents. And if you look back at them, you'd think, oh, my God, what have I done there? But um, what One Minute Beast does is it does restrict you, but it actually de-restricts your thinking because 
you, you've got to almost put down the first thing that comes into your head. Uh, so from there, we then carried on doing it in our agency and then it was, then we took it to Twitter one day. Zero followers, so no one cared at first, obviously, but what we did was we built it up to about 100 followers and people sort of liked it here and there, or, well, it was a favourite at the time, uh, and then a, and then retweets. But then what we did was one day we decided, I wonder if anyone else will want to get involved in this. So we did a one-minute brief of the day. I, I can't even remember if anyone entered on the first day, <laughs> but uh, but we tra- we persevered with it and then one person <clears> enters. And then because we didn't even realise at the time uh, how this was going to end up, we didn't understand that it was going to be a big thing. It was never intended to be uh, what it's become now. Uh, but someone entered, uh, it got shared probably uh, one or two times. Um, and obviously the people are responding to us, so they're actually tweeting to their own followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so more and more, because people are tweeting to us, it then tweets to their own followers, which then starts to spiral uh, and more and more people to get involved each day and ever since then it's just grown and grown I think it's um, it's 19,000 followers now um, and we're getting hundreds of entries every day so if Mm. you imagine collectively uh, sharing ideas if we get 100 entries and I'm retweeting them to 19,000 people every time that's a massive reach and obviously as I say the people are tweeting to us So that's going to their own followers as well. So it's just naturally become a means of obviously self-promotion, uh, but it's also a tool where everyone can get involved, not be scared of having an idea. And it's always, everyone is very positive to everyone's ideas and we're all on a level playing field, whether you're a junior creative student uh, or a top creative director. There's so many people getting involved right across yeah. the world now. And, and that's just grown I mean, I could talk about all the great stories of of the actual the, the followers themselves, uh, because people have built confidence, got new jobs and careers, and built portfolios off the back of getting involved in One Minute Brief. So it's, there's lots of really nice stories for the followers, and that, I think uh, above and beyond the ideas that are getting generated and the, and the fun that everyone's having, um, I think the most important thing for it uh, from my perspective is the actual people yeah. and what people are getting from it and it's nice to be able to have a platform where where people can do that yeah well it's created you've created it's got its own brand now right so one minute briefs is a completely separate brand to bank of creativity but what's nice about it is that it's a participatory brand and it actually grows by the sharing that sort of sharing aspect of it um and I've participated um, <laughs> in it. I won one um, when we did earrings, which I was very proud of. And I, can, and I was quite pleased, yeah. you know, that kind of kudos um, yeah. that I got. And I can imagine for creatives out there who are maybe just starting out, you know, you can build nearly a portfolio around that saying of one, you know, 10, you know, one minute briefs in a week or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but what happens to those ideas? I think that's what I was really interested in terms of what happens to those ideas? Who could it sort of owns the copyright around them? Um, and is there a commercial opportunity for entrepreneurs who are trying to find cost effective ways to come up with um, content? Is there are there tools for them to be able to use to do that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's uh, as I say, it, it did grow organically. It was never intended to be uh, a commercial business. Uh, but I think that's that's why it has integrity and also um, has the shareability that was never forced. It's just, it, it sort of happened. Um, but now there is the potential because 
because we are getting, we actually always had the idea that it was to create an advert. Um, so we never changed that to become advertising. It was always that in the first place. Um, so we're quite transparent about that. We have been doing briefs with the likes of uh, LucasAid, uh, Gumtree, BBC. Um, we've more recently done uh, a brief and we're going to do another one soon with KFC. And we are doing another one of, we've done two in the last week with Adobe. And we're doing another one on Thursday. So I think the commercial potential for brands, I mean, those are some big brands there, but you can also do it for entrepreneurial startups because mm. what they can create is potentially hundreds of pieces of content, which, like you say, can be used in, in the future for future campaigns. The way we run it is as a competition. And obviously we're not asking people to spend all day on an advert. We're mm. just Sometimes it is just literally a scribble or a quick Photoshop or something like that. Um, so what we do is we will reward the winners with, uh, vouchers as prizes. Sometimes we're giving away holidays. We gave someone... I didn't win a holiday for my <laughs> earring. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was just, uh, I think that was a spec brief. So oh. obviously we do one every, every weekday, but... I'm um, looking out for the holiday ones. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but yeah, we do, uh, we do briefs. We gave something like, say we gave someone free laser eye surgery when we did um, we did a brief with them and then there was a nice story that came out of that where he, the winner, uh, gave that prize to his wife uh, and uh, she has perfect sight now. So that was, you know, we're quite we're quite flexible in the way we, we do prizes. But in terms of the copyright, we, uh, we're, quite, we're quite transparent about it with the brands. Because it's a competition, people share their ideas and they put it out into the open platform and the brands yeah. can potentially take that on and use it. And there have been some really great, cases that I'm, I think we're going to talk about in a little bit that did start as one minute briefs um, but when we have done that the people that did create the one minute brief in the first place are, are often involved in that process and actually creating something and making it happen um, and I work with them as well to, to make those opportunities and then people can use them in their own portfolios as yeah. well so it's just a really nice open platform for everyone to get involved in and the brands that we've seen I mean that they would never get a, a access to in a million years probably. yeah it's yeah. and and the share the shareability the amount of reach that it gets is just um it's just unsurpassed in terms mm. of I mean we did a brief with social chain uh and calm charity and even social chain obviously had the biggest social platform the most fastest growing potentially in the world and they were they, even they said they were overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that was coming in, the amount of how far-reaching this campaign was. So, it, which is why it's great for campaigns and, and causes and generating awareness at the same time. Yeah. Because um, if you imagine, for brands or entrepreneurs that are looking to start up, if you imagine trying to put a piece of content out as a poster that you may have paid an agency for, that's however much you've created, you've paid for that poster. You then share it on your own platform. You might not even have many followers. You might get one or two retweets. What we do is we create 100 posters, all with your brand and, and mentions on it, um, retweet that to 19,000 people, and then them, they retweet it, and obviously mm -hmm. the people are uh, tweeting us. Um, so it just changes that sort of model. And, and obviously, because our following is the creative industry, some of the 
actual adverts and posters are incredible quality and award-winning mm. potential quality as well. Well, you're all quite competitive, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's that's another good thing. It's it's uh, it's competitive. It's very friendly, and everyone's very positive towards each other. But you do learn each day. You see the ones that are winning and how simple mm-hmm. and great they are, and it makes people much better. So you, yeah. you will see the people that win the most have been doing it for a few years because they yeah. they understand the simplicity iterated. of thought. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's just become a real nice, friendly competition, and the community itself is is all so supportive, and and they love to retweet and share each other's work, which makes it, it which makes as a commercial yeah. thing uh, as well as a competition, it, it's basically a win win for everyone that gets involved. I think because people are building portfolios, doing ideas. Sometimes people aren't even in the creative industry, and they are having a bit of an outlet. People like me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're in, you are in the creative industry, in the t- mainly in the t- tech industry. But if you want to create and share creative ideas, we literally sometimes, you know, we're only asking for a, a minute's time. You can literally scribble it down, take a picture, uh, and send it over. And and like you say, when when you did win, it gave you that nice feeling. Yeah. And and it and it, I'm sure it's addictive. Uh, for, I for need to get it to on get. the LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's it's a feeling that people share, and it's you know that's why people come along to our events and things like that as well. But yeah. So let's actually just touch upon the events um, because I think if we take you back to working full time, two side hustles, you then started doing one minute brief events. Things got a bit crazy um, in your life for a bit, and you did have a life changing. Uh, moment, which is a pretty rare occurrence for somebody so young. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that's changed the course of some of the things that you're doing now? Yeah, um, sure. I think uh, so. I've been doing the one minute briefs. We call it OMB Live, the the events that we do. And it started off in Manchester, and we've done we've done five of them now. So we do one annually, and it was OMB Live two I think it was or three which I was going to what I was going to do was I was going to do it in Birmingham I was looking to hire out a nightclub uh, because we wanted to be a bit more uh, underground we, we don't have it such a, as a such a formal event yeah it's like a battle yeah there's bat- battles going on there's people uh, sort of doing quick one minute talks on stage uh, doing all sketches on the walls etc um, but what I wanted to do because I've done it in Manchester I thought for the benefit of everyone else I was thinking about here really uh, and I was also freelancing a bit at McCann Birmingham at the time um, but I probably put a little bit too much stress on myself at the time um, trying to go and do it in a place where where it wasn't my home uh, and also they didn't really have the AV equipment I was going to have to hire that that in um, but it was a great venue um, so um, what happened next was I was I mean, like I say, I was freelancing in, in McCann Birmingham at the time, but I also, I used to try and do so much stuff with the OMB brand. Uh, I did a, an OMB football team for the MPA football uh, tournament in Manchester. So um, so I went straight home from Birmingham on the day to to um, get all our OMB T-shirts for the, for the kit, got everyone together, um, go down there and we go up to, up against the likes of TWA, BGL, those types of agencies um, in the tournament. 
managed to get to the finals, uh, was uh, was loving it. It was it was great. Um, but what happened next, I suppose, was the was the story that's it's probably a very important story to OMB as well. Um, but I got in my car and I had a crippling pain in my chest uh, just as I was getting in my car. Obviously, I thought I was unfit. I hadn't played for a couple of weeks um, and I'd always, I've always played football. Um, but I also had a, a sort of numb, uh, sort of severe ache down my right arm. Now, I put it to the back of my mind that it was anything worse because I've always heard bad stuff would be a pain down your left arm. Um, and I thought, because it was indoor, I, I was making every excuse under the sun that I thought I might have been barged into, shoulder barged into the wall or something, uh, and I was just unfit. But I was moving around, I was I was living in Macclesfield at this time, um, driving home, um, and I was trying to move around in my seatbelt, put my arm out the window to cool it down, and I drove like a bit of an idiot I drove past Stepping Hill Hospital on the way um, even though all of the I've never ever noticed the signs for Stepping Hill before but all the signs were almost everything else was was blurred out and all I could see was the signs for Stepping Hill and what had happened two weeks earlier was my football coach from a very young age um, who helped um Helped me because I used to I used to play at a decent level with Man City at academy level, and he and he used to, and he was a big figure in my life, but only two weeks earlier, he had died at the wheel of his car of a heart attack. So I'm thinking about him. I'm think, but that almost made me think. That definitely can't be me then, because yeah. it's happened to him as well. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm driving through. Point at this time, I think you know what I need to stop this car. But I just thought I could be waiting for an ambulance um, even longer. So drove really slowly all the way home, um, get there, and then I just <laughs> I took uh, I looked in the cupboard and took two rennies. Uh, I just thought this will this will sort it out, and I went up and had a shower. And for a few seconds having a shower I thought oh this will make me feel better because a shower makes everything feel better doesn't it but um, but it didn't and then I ended up lying on my bed uh, but the pain was still there and I thought you know what I'm just lying here and I might just die lying here um, so I rang my mum of course it went to voicemail um, but at that point it got quite difficult because I said to mum I've got this crippling pain in my chest and down my right arm. Can't imagine what this must have been Sounded like to like. receive hmm. for her. Um, but I did say, if anything bad happens, just remember that I love you. So at that point, that was obviously I knew I need to get I need to get myself to hospital. So got there, they saw me for for whatever reason. I gave the receptionist my dad's name. Um, I'd, unless they got it wrong, that they and then they called out Mark Entwistle, um, which was which was very odd. But um, I'd gave them that, that name. But I went in there and they did all these tests on me, put me on morphine, etc., to get the pain away. And they said, "Yes, you've had a heart attack." So suddenly, you know, your physical health. I was freelancing at the time. Uh, suddenly, physical health. Your confidence is on the floor. Um, I was in hospital for quite some time. Uh, one minute briefs, I ran on on my own as well, so no one was there to run that. But one of the nice, 
one of the nice things that did come out of it was this thing happened on a Friday night and on Monday people had started to find out the news that had filtered through to people on Twitter and what happened next was a very powerful thing I think was that the one minute brief started to run itself with a get well soon Nick brief um, with a hashtag and when I finally got signal I obviously saw all these and I, I just found that was quite overwhelming for me but to get that support there's no doubt that it did help me in my recovery um, and it was just you know really nice to see the content had, was almost yeah. being created with no one even running it uh, anymore so that just shows shows the power of the community and obviously me trying to give people something every day they gave me something back definitely um but yeah coming coming back from that is is very difficult confidence wise because you have to go to like cardiac rehab for seven weeks and li- they make you lift one kilogram weights next to big bodybuilders <laughs> and and things like that um and it's and it's uh and i was 26 at the time uh so it was it was quite uh it was very obviously a very difficult time, but I I, went, I stuck stuck at it and and carried on up until the point where I felt like I was confident enough to go back into freelance because I did also need to start earning yeah. money again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what happened there. So what impact did that have in terms of when you went back into the workplace? Because it did change your focus in terms of the stuff that you were doing. Um, tell us how that sort of materialised. Yeah, I think when I came back, I I did a bit of. I was asked by someone to do some to work in a potentially work in a film agency. Now I'd done some TV adverts before, uh, but I wasn't didn't feel like I was a script writer or or a director. Um. So I said I'll come and do some freelance for you, uh, and it was it was that where. I applied it to the the NHS story, which we'll we'll come on to. Um, but my sort of opinion of of myself and what I could achieve did change because I I was also working with an agency called Big Brand Ideas at the time, uh, a day a week, mm-hmm. getting myself back into the swing of things. Uh, and I worked with them, and I said I'd like to work with you as your creative director and oversee things. Beforehand, I'd always been a creative. Uh, reporting into a creative director and not necessarily overseeing the overall big ideas. Um, but my mindset sort of changed really and I thought that I can potentially make bigger impacts. Again, it goes back to almost the your personal brand, going back to any design and saying, really at 26 I had no right to say I'm a creative director now because it, it tends to be when you're a bit older. Um but I just, that's what I went out with. And mm. when I was freelancing, I would be freelance uh, senior creative or freelance creative director, as opposed to freelance midweight creative, for example. Um, so it just, I think it just changed my mindset. And, and I also thought I, w- I didn't want to take, if if I was going to be sad in a job or or something like that, there was no way I was, because of what had happened to me, there was no way I would accept that anymore. Yeah. So I'd always, and I wanted to obviously try and give something back, and and it does definitely change your your mindset on things, and makes you more positive in many ways. Uh, I did write a piece at the time about it 
not necessarily been a good thing that it happened, but it did make me a much better creative because I was more focused on on getting things right and bigger ideas. And also, I think it might have been around the same time, but someone said uh, before before all this was, someone said, what's the best that could happen about projects? This might have come after this, but I've always obviously heard the Dr Pepper thing, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. But when someone said that, I now apply what's the best that could happen to every piece of work when it comes in because and having a belief to actually achieve big things. Yeah. And going back to what you said about on a budget, sometimes you might feel like you can't achieve these things without having huge budgets, uh, especially sometimes being in Manchester um, in comparison to London as well, uh, advertising-wise. But if you get the right people together, which I think the, hopefully the Bank of Creativity does, and One Minute Briefs, is that you can achieve great things collectively. Um but yeah, I think it's all about belief. My belief changed a little bit in, in my own abilities and the abilities of other people as well. So that led you into some some really interesting campaigns and the Love Your NHS one um, is the first one that we'll, we'll talk about. Um, how did you come to be involved in that? And um, tell us a bit about that kind of journey and how you made that a viral success. Yeah, um, well, that was uh, the agency asked me to come in and do some work uh, film-wise. It was actually called Magnify. Uh, and I went in on a freelance basis. And what, funnily enough, their f- the first job for them was to... The CEO's brother was um, was one of the doctors who was part of sort of uh, raising awareness of, you know, those government cuts at the time. Uh, and what we wanted to do was create, a you know, a small film as part of our of the agency I was working with, to just raise morale during government cuts. Now, I said to to Simon, the CEO, I said, well, let's get One Minute Briefs involved to create a buzz, an initial buzz, uh, and ask people to share scripts, uh, ideas, sketches, uh, and posters all around this thing um, with the potential of their idea getting made into a film. Uh, and one of the ideas in particular by Stephen Hunter, uh, who I've also freelanced with in the past, he his idea was based upon sort of wedding vows, that the NHS is always there for us, for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, etc. And amazing idea. It was the one that won. We had hundreds of entries. Um, but that particular, just a JPEG on Facebook, got thousands, hundreds of... Uh, of thousands of likes on it mm-hmm. um, and one of the people that were that were viewing it was actually the NHS choir someone had seen it online so they got in touch with us and said if you're going to be making this film could this film actually be our, for our music video can we use this concept on, as our music video so obviously speaking to Stephen speaking to, to the team of course we wanted to let's, let's turn it into a, a music video so then went down to um then went down to Lewisham Hospital to direct this film. Um obviously all this happened in the same year that the NHS basically saved my life. So it, I was I was putting myself under a, a bit of a bit of pressure by being so intense trying to make something happen here, but I felt like it was really worthwhile and it's something that I really wanted to apply myself to. 
So I went down and directed it and every bit in the music video was real. So, I mean, what I've learned from, from that particular agency in film uh, is to create an emotion with your work. And if you can create emotion, make people laugh, make people cry, uh, just make people happy, you, they will then be compelled to act, whether that's uh, a sales message or a cause or donation. Um, I think that's that's an important um, take out from and a learning that I've had from the past few years. But because every moment was real and we applied, you know, in sickness and in health and we showed all these different moments. So the script was written very loosely because we didn't know what we were going to get in the hospital. Yeah. But it turned out to be quite a beautiful film uh, that encapsulated the diversity and the hard work that the NHS put in across the board. Um, we also, at the end of the film, we had a montage of people saying, uh, which was another social campaign we added to it, saying, do you love your NHS? Say, I do. And all it was was holding up a piece of paper saying, I do, based on the wedding vows thing. And this picked up momentum. Uh, again, started through one minute briefs, but then suddenly it's on Holly Willoughby and Phil Schofield, mm -hmm. are, uh, Chris Evans, that they're all sharing pictures of themselves doing this thing. And obviously the celebrity involvement um, started to take hold and at that point we actually then started to overtake the lights of One Direction and Louisa who'd just won X Factor <laughs> we were taking over uh, her in the live charts uh, and it all got quite surreal from being way out, way outside uh, and suddenly we are uh, neck and neck with Justin Bieber um, in second place uh, first and second place and then we then even went ahead of him in the charts and at that point I think I'm pretty sure I was just getting into bed but I was looking at looking at Twitter and I'd seen that Justin Bieber tweeted about the campaign <laughs> so I ended up ringing the the guy at the head of uh, NHS communications uh, I wasn't sure what to make of it at the time what did he say it, he just said you know um, he's he's an advocate of um of health of of healthcare, the, the same style as as the NHS. Yeah, and he said, "Let's something along the lines of you know, let's hope the NHS do it type thing." So calling like the I don't know what you call them Bieberettes, whatever they're yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, to uh, potentially, yeah. And and I wasn't obviously I wasn't sure at the time because I knew we were we were ahead in, in the charts. But you know, if you if you look back at it, you've you've made probably one of the most famous people in the entire world tweet about your campaign and the ultimate goal of raising mor morale within the NHS and getting the NHS brand known right across the world. So then it, I mean, it just went mad then. It was on Sky News, it was in the papers, uh, BBC News, um, that that he'd said this. So it was just a huge positive for the, for the campaign. And on Christmas Day, I watched, I watched uh, on the radio... And I was just sat sat with my mum, uh, and suddenly everyone's ringing me up, crying because we'd beaten him it. to to Christmas number one by thirty one thousand copies in the end, and and yeah, people start ringing me up. Ben White, who um, who was who was a big part of the campaign, who was the CEO of the film agency's brother. He was he, the doctor. He that... was the doctor, yeah, um, and he's been on on TV numerous times. He he rang me and said, Nick, what what have we done? Basically, he was in tears. 
Um, everyone else, obviously, he was at Simon's house for Christmas, and, and I spoke to Simon, and it was just amazing. Everyone was crying, um, but we'd managed to do it. We'd managed to get to Christmas number one just off the back of obviously going back to that one minute initial idea, that emotion that's caused. Um, obviously, the thing that happened to me wanting to do something back for the NHS. Yeah. Collectively, all the the producers, the the editors, everyone did a, an amazing job. All um, all off their own back as well. Um, we had directors down in in London. <sighs> Goes down to even speaking to Universal Records on the rights because it was a Coldplay track, and yeah. and we had to we had to try and speak to them to make sure we, the rights were all okay and all that. So um, everyone did a really really great job, and obviously one minute brief started it and really pushed the campaign out mm-hmm. through the public. So. Uh, yeah, huge thank you to all the uh, one of his followers. You went on to uh, after that phenomenal uh, success, which was obviously highly emotive um, for you personally, the the choir, uh, Ben and Simon, everybody that was involved. And um, but you went on to repeat a similar success again with another highly emotive um, campaign. And I don't know, did it find you because of the work that you'd done with the NHS? Um, you know, tell us about the C word um, and little Isabella Little, the little 10-year-old that suffers from neuroblasty. Um, the, way that, uh, the way that came about was actually, it may have, come, may have come about from the likes of the NHS thing and also we've done some other, um, other charity films through Magnify. Um, but this particular one came through one of the One Minute Brief's followers just said, can we run a One Minute Brief to raise a bit of awareness and potentially some donations for uh, for Isabella, um, which is called Louise Chorley. And of course we said yes. Um, she's, she's one of our... She's followed One Minute Brief for years and applied herself to and, and to loads, loads of these briefs. So of course we said yes and we'll, we'll do what we can. Again, it was never in, never potentially intended to be this big campaign at first, but what we did was, can we raise awareness for this girl? Yeah. See what we can do with a Just Giving link. And we did, and we got, you know, it definitely got some donations. Um, you can't, you know, she needed £100,000 plus, so it was, it was no easy task to do that from just a pure social media yeah. initial campaign. But we got some, and we raised a, um, a, a massive buzz and a massive awareness. And we, off the back of that, um, Louise um, began and sent over. Sorry, going back to it, one of the entries that did win was um, hashtag Little Fight, uh, and it was holding um, holding characters underneath your head as if you're a little mini character, mm-hmm. and it was shared, and people did their own. That was the one that won. Um, which was a great, great campaign in itself. Uh, and one that was uh, sort of a runner-up was actually, at age three, she should not know the C word. She's had it on and off for seven years. Um, and Louise came came and said, can we, turn, can we have this into a, a, as a script? So we worked with uh, Louise to, to write this script and everything, every part of the script was designed to be as if she is swearing and saying the C word um, as if she has Tourette's and there's a comedy element to it as well um, the way it's written 
was was important because it, when I say the C word, my mum gets upset. Um, I just want to get it all out, that type of thing. It makes you think that she's, the whole time, because we beeped out the C word, it makes you think that she's she is swearing Same. the yeah. whole time. And only when I played it, because I was so involved in it, I, I knew we had a powerful film, but only when I played it a couple of months later to a room without explaining the idea at all, the whole room was laughing all the way through. Right up until the last moment when we actually realised that she's actually saying the word cancer. Mm. Um, so again, we had very little time. Uh, we did it in between jobs when we were down in Birmingham. We didn't know how Isabella was going to be. We didn't. It was going to be obviously as I was directing. It was very difficult to tell a little girl with cancer to shout cancer so many times in her own home. Um, but we we worked out the way the route she was going to take around her house and and what we what we could do, and she obviously did an amazing job. Um, at the end, the moment where she took her medicines. Uh, well, at first I got her to shout out the back garden. I wanted everyone in the fields at the back and the neighbours and everyone to hear, I hate you, cancer. And I had to make her do it, I don't know, about eight or nine times until the moment a voice almost broke okay. as she screamed and uh, and she literally stamped her foot. Uh, and I was like, "This is that is exactly it. Uh and then I said, right, the opposite, because we did it in a seat. We actually filmed the whole thing in the sequence. It actually uh, was shown. Uh, and in the final scene, I said, right, I know that you need to take your medication now. Um, and we're going to be really quiet when we do this one. And she said, oh, I really, I don't want to. Because <laughs> she just doesn't like taking it. I said, well, that is exactly what I want. And then she just turned to the camera and said, I hate you, cancer. And me and uh, me and Ben, the filmmaker, just looked at each other, and we just couldn't. <laughs> the annoying thing was we had to do a second take because just in case the camera had glitched or anything. Um, but we knew that that we, we were almost in in tears at that very moment. Um, so we knew we had a we knew we had quite a powerful film. But so we went out. We put it onto a feed that had no followers, no likes. And I think it got a million views very quickly. Um, so I realised actually, it's, you know, we didn't expect it to have millions of views. And then suddenly next day, people were ringing me up trying to buy the rights to it um, to, and giving us, you know, 50% of whatever it sold for, this piece of content. We actually said no to that um, because we felt organically it could get shared a lot more and if the links are there, the donations will come in. Uh, and I know the donations um, with that and all the other stuff have reached over £100,000 uh, as well. But off the back of it being shared like that, on Unilad alone, it had 10 million views. Um, it reached BBC News. It had millions of views on various various social channels. Yeah. When you came in today, everybody in, in this room knew about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't know it was yeah. you, but they knew the, they knew the video. Yeah, and that's obviously, I mean, that's most important thing and and seeing all the comments online even sometimes when people hadn't watched it till the end sometimes people say i can't believe this girl swears like this 
And then other people are commenting and almost self-policing it and saying, actually, you need to watch till right till the very end. Um, which, as a social thing, was was even better, really, mm. uh, and the way it's shared. So um, it just had huge reach and obviously it raised a lot of money um, for this little girl. And, you know, yeah, it, it was just uh, got onto BBC, BBC News yeah. as well. It reached the TV. Achieved its, the outcomes that it was looking for. Yeah, and to be honest, when it very first started out, because there was no charity actually there, we never... We, didn't ex- expect it to go extremely viral as it did because mm-hmm. you can never just say we're going to do a viral film. Um, but all the elements got together t- uh, to give it its very best chance. And obviously the controversial aspect of it uh, was the fact that we're going to show this little girl appearing to be swearing. Mm-hmm. But you, as I said before, you have to create an emotion. And with this one, what we did was we created the laughter and comedy um, as well as shock that this girl was saying saying this, uh, and then right at the very end, you almost feel bad for for thinking laughing that. and mm. thinking that because of what she was actually saying the whole time, uh, and that makes you feel sad. And it's a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, mm. which has then obviously helped make people feel compelled to act and help. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's so many people that have illnesses like this, and there are various videos out there. Um, a lot of them are doing the same thing, whereas going doing something different gave her every chance of potentially getting the, the donations that were required that at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're two very emotional um, subjects, and if we bring this back to entrepreneurs who've got businesses, they're bootstrapping. Mm. Um, how can they? How can and and those those produ- there obviously there was a lot of people who donated time, but there was still a cost to those productions. Um, entrepreneurs who are like trying to do this kind of stuff on their own, how can they achieve some kind of the same emotional content, um, but you know, with little or no, you know, little or no cost? What kind of things can they do? Um, well, I'm going to start crying if we <laughs> yeah. keep going down this road. No, I, th- I think um, obviously, I mean, the NHS naturally is something that had gravity because everyone could get behind that mm-hmm. um, as a as a brand almost, and. The, the one the little girl just naturally, because of the cause and the emotion attached to it, that went quite big. Although I do find that when it's brands, whether it's products, services uh, that you're wanting to advertise, if you can create something that engages people, whether it's film content or just a, a billboard or something, that isn't just wallpaper stuff like everyone else is doing, um, then you can, you know, you can engage your audiences. And it might be that, if it's your social presence, you don't have any followers, get people involved, like do polls or something, ask your followers to connect and engage with questions that you're asking or create a little sub-brand or a hashtag that people can can get involved in there. But in terms of the actual content, you know, everyone has got a smartphone that films HD these days. There are phone apps that you, uh, that you can use to create very quick content. What kind of tools would they be? Um, I would tend to just use stuff like iMovie myself. Mm-hmm. Um, although I know there are there are other things out there, I don't personally use them myself. Um, for although maybe maybe I should, I don't know. But there's, there are certain video apps out there that where you can bring subtitles, headlines in, uh, and just film stuff. You know, film yourself or 
or work with like-minded people, what what I'm trying to do at the minute with the bank of creativity is almost have a bank of creatives. Mm. And for and I'm working with a, a, a film agency called Maker at the moment for an idea for doing stuff for charities themselves where we're going to bring people together. Um, but it is about collaboration and actually working with other people. They might be able to help fund you or they might be able to film something for you if you can give them something back in exchange you know if you're not got not got budget as long as you can help each other in certain ways you can create great things um and also but the thing is obviously if you want to go to, go to big film agencies they're going to you're going to struggle for cost but you can use you can use great freelance freelance people you could yeah. you could talk to people like like the bank of creativity isn't doesn't have the the big overheads or anything because it's um almost a collective of mm. of like-minded people and one, um, minute, one minute brief itself is, it's an ideation process. So yeah. you don't have to go on and participate in your one minute brief. You can create your own and do it with. Like yeah. We could sit here. You'd made us do it. Yeah, you came course, to yeah. see us in yeah. February. Yeah. You came in and the first thing you'd made me and Nicola do was a one minute brief. <laughs> yeah. Which well, I still have here. My snap. Let's see. My mentor snap. Remember? Nice. nice. Um, well, I think... You know, they can use that as an ideation process, right? How could... I would do, yeah. I mean, I've been asked to do, um, you know, workshops at universities and and also businesses like uh, at Lloyd's Bank for for new businesses and and just to get them to think about their own brand and and recognise the things that they actually want to communicate. Because sometimes people don't understand; they want to communicate ten different things, mm. uh, and it just becomes, uh, you know, really you should. <sighs> there are certain aspects of business and brand that you. You need to really focus on whether are you the cheapest brand or are you more expensive because you're better or something like that. If you mm. can highlight one particular thing and almost the way I think about because I'm from traditional advertising graphic design, I even think still of films being a big billboard poster. So if you can summarize your big idea in one line and communicate exactly what your brand does or your cause and what you want in one line, then do it, think of it as a as a billboard, and then it can translate into films. It can translate into every, and also as a brand. If you've got a slogan that you can stand by, and then it continues throughout every piece of communication that you do. Mm. Sometimes people try and share different bits of content, and they're all not jo- sort of joined together. And um, but emotive wise, I mean, I've got ideas for stuff for a for a building uh for a building company at the moment it wouldn't be for the building company uh, because any building company can take hold of it but they need to take ownership of that content and if they can make their customers laugh and yeah. then you've got the logo at the end you just attach it you just sort of getting people engaged um, yeah. and whether it's making people laugh making people cry like I say before um you as long as you create an emotion and get people hooked into what you're doing then they will probably look to buy your product or go on your website or something. Yeah. If it's just bland content that you're just putting out there for the sake of it, then just no one's going to care. One of the things I do say is just make people care, whatever way that is. That sounds like a really good piece of of advice. Um, But if you think about your entire career, and this is where this is about this podcast is about sharing knowledge and and advice. What was the best piece of advice that you've um, ever received? 
I think I would go back to one of my first jobs and my creative de- director, who I'm still in touch with now, he he said to be a brand, like build your own brand. Uh, and I think that that has really helped me to sort of escalate my career. Obviously, you need to be able to do the work to, to back it up, uh, to be able to improve on your career and, and go upwards to be a creative director at, at a young age. And But I feel like creating the likes of, even going back to any design, mm-hmm. um, One Minute Briefs, the Bank of Creativity, rather than calling myself, myself Nick online, it's the Bank of Creativity and that's had a much bigger following. Um, you know, any design sort of started it all off and thinking of yourself in a different way. And also that led on to me getting placements at a, a young age by uh, Carl Barker at Cube Free in Manchester because he liked, he liked my different approach at that, at that age as well. Um, and I think having a brand behind you gives you the ability to share your own personality but as well as that, you can share industry insights, you can share other great content as well um, and almost live as as the brand because I've never had my own social feeds myself. Now, that mm-hmm. might work for different, might work differently for other people, um, but sort of having a strong consistency with your brand uh, and what it stands for, I feel is important. And it also helps you to get yourselves out there and almost self-promote one minute briefs naturally as a side project helps to self-promote but it also helps promote others and if you can do something for your industry uh, another campaign we did was is called merry christmas and it's to give uh, young creatives book crits uh, and we invented a character called father christmas who is a bit of a grumpy creative director <laughs> but he you know he gets all his creative director elves on board each year and it's now going to be going into its fourth year. So um, if you can do something for your industry and be known for something industry, have a brand, do something off your own back like Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. doesn't really cost you to do anything. You get people together and make a film or something, then it will all come back to you. And every bit of this promotion, obviously if you're visible online, never be invisible anyway. Um, Sometimes people might not necessarily like some of your content some some um will love your content but don't be in the middle where you're not visible uh, and not seen uh, because like i say no one will actually care about you and you're not visible because you're not creating emotion you're not you're not creating emotion but you're also not creating any any sort of i don't know what the word is but you're you always want people to come back to your twitter feed your instagram facebook whatever and at the side of that is always pretty much your website or where you want people to engage with you. So if you keep being visible online and you keep your brand going with whatever content you're sharing, it will always lead back to you and potentially that will be where your sales or your um, donations or whatever it is comes come in. From. Yeah. It's just been such a fascinating um, story, um, learning about sort of your personal journey, which has led into your business one. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of being the brand is how you build your business. And that's not, it's very similar to, um, the view of Lawrence Jones, the CEO of UK Fast, that the two things are 
interlinked. Yeah. Um, so I really thank you for your sharing your expertise with us today and um, look forward to the next viral campaign that you're going <laughs> to uh, wire us with on, on all our social media channels. Um, we hope that's been helpful for um, the listeners. If you are building your business and you are wondering where brand um, plays a part, it's right in the heart of, of building that. Um, so for um, if you have any other questions or any other queries that you'd want to pit to Nick in terms of how you go about doing that, please share those questions on our iTunes or SoundCloud platforms. Please leave your reviews and questions there. Um, but for now, we hope you get a better night's sleep. Thank nice you. One. Thank you very much. <laughs>